thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Sunday Recap, a weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based on our sermon this past Sunday. For more podcasts, recordings of sermons, and submit any questions or comments, visit begrace.org slash podcast. And for more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. I'm Chris Webster, one of the assistant pastors here, and I work on cellos and trellos. Oh, my name is Dave McMurray. I'm the teaching pastor at Grace Bible Church. Um, my name is Jim Wilson. I'm pastor of Coffee Snobbery at Grace Ooh. Bible Church. <laughs> my name is Kendrick. I'm the audiovisual director at Grace Bible Church. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we we are we don't have Joey or Elliot here, so I'm going to pretend to be a little bit of a host, but I'm going to rely on you guys to do a lot of good talking. So be mm-hmm. ready. Before we dive into the sermon, I just wanted to see catch up with you guys on life a little bit. I know there's at least one great story about a, a life event that happened among us. I'm not going to say who that was, but um, what have you guys been up to this week? How, how you, You're surviving the pandemic okay? It's going down. Doing so well, thriving in the pandemic. <laughs> What's one Hi. good thing that happened this week? Oh, wait, go, go ahead, Jim. Oh, one good good thing i threw away one of my masks oh. that was a good thing every day every time i throw away a mask i feel a lot better wow <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so you retired it had it uh, had it worked uh, hard well it was used sometime okay yeah and the, and the other good thing was celebration what mm-hmm. you celebrate jim tell us tell celebrate us god's grace i mean think about it 50 years with my wife we don't even think we're 50 years old yet no. How that is we pretty get, amazing yeah it's just it's inconceivable to us that it has been 50 years wow yeah. huh. that's so cool so you yeah. went to the glorious texas beaches and mm-hmm. uh, you had the sweet story of what happened what happened on your special dinner night oh yeah so we went to a special dinner night we picked out a place because we we tried it out first because we want to make sure it was okay and uh, when we were going in, Diane happened to mention to the people at the front desk that we were celebrating our anniversary. I don't know if they told anybody else, but anyway, there were some people sitting where we couldn't see them that had the same waitress as us. And somehow they got in a conversa- conversation about, about how long do you think they've been married? And the waitress thought less than 30 years. The people at the table thought more than 30 years. Oh. And, and, you know, so they kind of won the bet. But then we finished our meal, and we got ready to order dessert, and the waitress said, well, somebody's already paid for your dinner. And we were just just flabbergasted. We're like, what? Who would do that? Well, it was the people who won the bet on how old, how long we'd been married. And Ah. and in fact, she, she came by the table and talked to us and told us, yeah, we were the ones discussing, you know, how long you've been married. And we have eight kids, and I'm like, wow. And uh, but we had no idea that they had paid for dinner, which That's was cool. it was incredible. Nice. Yeah, we we are still astounded. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love it. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's good stuff. Can you top that, Kendrick? It says there's no such thing as a free dinner. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. What what did you do this week, Kendrick? <laughs> oh man. Lots of good things. Um, I think. Oh, Caden is. Uh, he's he's like not wanting his formula anymore. Oh. He's drinking like regular whole milk and wanting to eat food. I think it's safe to say that he's off of his canned formula, which oh. is a great great thing for us. Yeah, that's. A- Money saver. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like 40 bucks a can, and he's one now, so he drinks a, b- a bunch of cans. Yeah. Whoa. He's yeah. getting big, so he's, he's eating steak and potatoes and stuff like that. Yeah, he loves, yeah, he loves eggs, mm. he loves carrots and um, green beans, the mm. fresh ones from ACB, mm-hmm. and the parents. He likes bell peppers raw, so let him at it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, kid, he likes vegetables. That's good. Yeah. 
Good Texas boy. All right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I had some weekend excitement. We I was building a little gate on. There's like a little side yard part of our house, so we've kind of got like a big fence behind it. But I was building like kind of like a little garden gate, and you have to drive these spikes into the ground for the posts. You know, so it's like a kind of a lightweight gate, so you can just like hammer spikes into the ground. Well, I happened to, for one of the posts, I happened to be hammering it right into where a supply line was going into my house, bringing water in. <laughs> so, water under pressure, you hit that pipe, it starts bubbling up, water starts coming up the post. <laughs> like, oh, no. Of course, it was 6 p.m. on a Friday on possibly the hottest day we've had all summer, I think. Friday might have been the record. It was close, anyway. Yeah. And called one friend that has a plan company and he's like oh man sorry we actually sent everybody home early today because it was so hot <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh gosh but finally actually he was able to find one of his guys off duty guy and this guy finished his dinner and then came out and helped me fix it so that was really cool so that was a huge huge blessing but also a lot of excitement i was digging a hole and trying to i was going to go ahead and just try to do it myself mm-hmm. Basically, just replacing a piece of pipe. You know, theoretically, I could have done it. It just would have taken me hours and hours because I'm not very smart with the pipes. But but someone came out and rescued me, so that was very nice. We got our water working again. But I uh, think I overdid it. I worked all day in the sun two days in a row, so that was probably not good for a man of my age. (laughs) Man, yeah. Well, crazy. Yeah, we've been we we've been kind of half starting school, so we homeschool. Mm -hmm. So Brooke's been. Planning all that, we got ordered our stuff early because we know everybody's ordering curriculum now that half the world is homeschooling, and um, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's been what's new with us. So we're mm-hmm. kind of easing into it, but that's the thing in Texas too. You, know, you talked about it being super hot. This we call it the dead mm-hmm. of winter in Texas, the dead of summer. It's where you just mm-hmm. can't really. <laughs> you're either hiding in water or you're staying inside. Yeah. You know? So, mm-hmm. anyway, well, let's this dive in. Cabin fever season. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. So, for those of you not from here, but I think most people are probably here listening. Um, so, let's dive into the sermon. Uh, so, this this week we're continuing. Like, actually, this is the last uh, the last sermon of Stories of the King, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Stories of the King, last week. Uh-huh. The last week. Death and Resurrection. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you this is this one was called surprising savior, um, and we're gonna dive into those points. I before actually I'm gonna throw a curveball because I can because I'm the the host this week. I'm gonna ask Jim what his summary of this what what stuck out to you. I like this. I'm not gonna let Dave set the tone. I'm gonna let Dave see what a random congregant took away from the sermon. So what do you think, Jim? What was the sermon about? A random. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny because I had to wait till Sunday night because I was driving back from the beach Sunday morning, and so uh, yeah, trying to take notes in the dark. That was interesting. But anyway, mm. uh, I was just struck by the whole idea that it's not what you expect. You know, we all have these ideas of this is what salvation looks like and and it's not what you expect god's plan is just totally different than we would have thought mm-hmm. we our plan would have been a superhero like, like superman right mm-hmm. but oh well, god's superhero is so opposite we wouldn't ever conceive of it yeah mm, that's great yeah that's great what about you, Kendrick? What, any, did you get a, Did you get to, to spend dedicated time listening? I know you're always scrambling, doing a bunch of a million things. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was somewhat of my summary too. I, I just thought it was Dave was saying that um, we think God saves like this, like big, strong superhero mm-hmm. king that's going to come and crush all the empires and rulers of the world. But that's exactly what he did not do. He did something totally opposite. And I think he was saying he, he well, this is one of the points, but he saves to a mandate, uh, really stuck out to me. And uh, and I was just like, man, it's, it's, it's crazy that I was thinking, listening back to the sermon, it's crazy that in this pandemic, when it first started, I was like, nothing good can 
can come with this, you know, this pandemic. But I'm like, you know what? Like, this is crazy. This is this is the way that that God saves us. It's not what we think it is. It's who knows? This pandemic could have been used to uh, save many, to Christ, to call many to Himself. So it just kind of reminded me the current state that we're in. Um, it's as weird as it sounds for Christians. It's almost like a very effective time. Uh, mm-hmm. For us, uh, uh, and, and for Christ, not to say that no other time is effective, but it just really made me think that these are also moments that that Christ saves in. Not necessarily when like everything is great in the world, we're able to go to the beach and to go H E B with no. Well, Jim just went to the beach, but <laughs> to H E B with no mask and everything. Well, we think the world is normal uh, mm-hmm. and just supreme. Op- times right i think uh we try to rely on that a lot like this is an optimal moment uh even with like spreading the gospel or this is an optimal moment for us to do it but i'm like uh after the sermon i'm like man the optimal moment is just whenever god decides like he saves who he chooses to save when he chooses to save them so just the summary of the message to me was just that like oh man you know it's even with knowing that, hearing it again, that it, we have a surprising Savior that, that saves in the face of a pandemic, when things are crazy in the world, when they're not our normal, uh, yeah, God is still good. He's still saving. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Dave, I'll let you go now. So, can you, yeah, can you just quickly summarize what, what's the story that you were, you were touching on and mm-hmm. then just kind of, kind of, what's the big, what's the main point for us? Yeah, so this was the Matthew account of Jesus' death and resurrection, which is basically two chapters. So I was kind of skimming through it and kind of picking out some of the highlights of Matthew 27 28. Um, but, I mean, Jim and Indergaard, hit on it. The battle is a lot of a surprising Savior. It's not the way we expected. And I was trying to contrast. We look for salvation in success, normalcy, and independence. But Jesus saves us, you know, through tragedy, anomaly, and towards dependence. I use the word mandate at the Great Commission. Like, we're, we're brought into a team. We're not just set free to, like, go be Lone Rangers and do whatever we want, which is more the American ideal. Um, so, yeah, I was just struck by that. Yeah, a lot of some of the same similar insights that, that Jim and Kindergarten mentioned. But, yeah, my key words for the surprise, there was the surprise of tragedy, anomaly, and mandate. Mm. Anomaly. Anomaly. It's a fun yeah. word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. When you played the Lecrae song at the end of the service, I was like, wait, that's not what I remember. Did he have another song with the word anomaly in it? Am I correct? He had an entire album called Anomaly, but that okay. song, Anomaly was on song. Anomaly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I I think maybe I didn't like that song, but I liked that album. Because I remember the album. Like I can remember the album strongly, but the song just seemed not, not as familiar to me. Yeah, I must have listened to other songs more. What were some of the main songs off that album? Remember that one? There's a song. Uh, uh, All I need is you. I think I trust you is on there. Okay. I think that was a like popular one. That may be the one you heard where he's okay. like, uh, he's talking about he was never accepted. Well, kind of an anomaly too. He was supposed to be okay. this great football player, this American mm-hmm. dream all of that, but he chose the, well, not he chose, he ended up going, because Christ called him, this route that everyone was like, why are you doing that? Like, mm-hmm. you're tall, you're supposed to play basketball, why are you, like, mm-hmm. devoting your life to, like, Christian music and, and discipleship and mm-hmm. all of that? So I think he was saying he was going against his culture and mm-hmm. that he was in, that that may be the song you like. It was okay. really good and really probably would tie in well with the sermon, too. Mm-hmm. Nice. This episode brought to you by Lecrae. All right, everybody, go listen to all those songs. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, let's dive into. Uh, well, I was going to say first, you had your illustration about Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Saving Lois Lane yeah. and, and the famous line, "You've got me, but who's got you?" I think mm-hmm. that was a yeah, that's an interesting one. Of it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around a God who is not shaken and no one else has to hold him. <laughs> right. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was just, that one stuck out to me. So point number one, let's dive in. He, he saves through tragedy. 
what's mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. the idea here or what what's happening in the story i guess I mean, he's just getting the junk beat out of him, right? I mean, he's just torn to shreds. He's beat up. He's killed. He's murdered. He's mocked. He's he's spit on. They put signs up to make fun of him. And in all of that, that's actually how he saves us, you know? So it's like the, the, the losing the battle is how he wins the battle. And that's just so confusing and crazy, you know? Mm. I just think it's... It's just one of those things as Christians, we have to discipline ourselves to attend to the weirdness of it all, or we'll miss it. Because we've grown up in a culture where we've heard the story again and again. We're like, of course, this is the story. I've heard it before. You know, we just have to kind of meditate on on the tragedy and the oddness of it all. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that this morning, the reading on our Bible reading plan, Isaiah 52 to 55, Mm-hmm. And so Isaiah 53 is all about mm-hmm. God's servant, mm-hmm. our Savior, who did all these th- things, you know, and what he was really going to be like. Mm-hmm. And, and his appearance wasn't anything yeah. beautiful. It was, mm-hmm. you know, people looked upon him with scorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But it talks all about the tragedy that he went through so that we could be saved. Mm-hmm. It's a good cross-reference. And that is an interesting. I, I, I find myself, uh, I, so I mainly got to listen during the evening service and just, uh, there's some new folks there. And, and so every once in a while, I'll, I'll find myself sort of listening with, with their ears and not really knowing, you know, not really knowing where they're coming from or if they've heard this before. And that is kind of an interesting strangeness of, of Christians, right, is that we are celebrating something horrible. And uh, you know, Dave, you're going into the the details of the pain and how what what crucifixion was like, and and it it is just this strange ju- juxtaposition of we are we have to know the depths of the tragedy, how tragic it was, in order to feel how beautiful it was at the same time, right? Mm. Um, but that mm. yeah, that can almost be strange and off putting. Uh, if you're not sure, if you can't tell what's going on, right, as a new believer, did y'all right. ever have a moment like that where, where looking from the outside into the Christianity, and you're like, what in the world are these Christians doing? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, <laughs> indeed. I <laughs> I can recall asking uh, someone who was giving me the gospel early on, and uh, he was telling me that because uh, I my Jesus appearance for me was such a big deal at the time mm-hmm. and um he was telling me that you know it'd be easy for us to follow a king that was so beautiful that everyone loved that said mm-hmm. all the right things mm-hmm. um and one of the things that that he said to me was you know uh the human our human hearts are kind of like knitted together by tragedy it seems like mm-hmm. the human heart is so is so able to uh, kind of like reach out and to receive others during mm. tragedy and mm. I just thought that was such a weird thing and uh, one of the things that he was telling me was uh, he thinks that Christ and all of his wisdom and all of the things that we don't understand uh, just understands and that tragedy that the death on the cross is something that uh, when celebrated, sounds weird, but somehow it connects us together. Um, and I was like, man, that still doesn't make sense. I don't understand why, like, you're celebrating death and tragedy. And he was like, I, I, I don't either, but it's the only death that we deem as beautiful. And that stuck out to me more than anything. It's mm-hmm. the only yeah. death that we deem as beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes me yeah, think I think of- acknowledging the unusualness is a very important part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. It makes me think, you didn't use the word this time, Dave, but the C.S. Lewis, you catastrophe, the good mm. catastrophe. Tolkien, Tolkien. Is Tolkien. Tolkien, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're the same person in my head, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what, yeah, it's cool. The good, yeah, the good tragedy. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and I'm fascinated then applicationally by how that gives us a way through tragedy, like that helps us function in a world of tragedy. I think 
Christians sometimes, I can't remember how much I said, I think I said this in both services, we skim over hard things, you know, like we want to edit hard things and use our hope as a way of not dealing with the hard things. Like, I have hope for the future, therefore, I don't have to think about this or, you know, God's in control, everything's cool, kind of pretending everything's fine. And I think it's important that we like look at the tragedy head on you know like this is bad this is painful this hurts and so i think i think having tragedy at the center of our salvation and seeing a jesus who went through this horrible tragedy and actually used it to save us and still grieved it that just the whole the whole matrix is really good like oh jesus grieved and yet it was the best tragedy ever you know like the most fruitful, useful, beautiful, to use Kendrick's word, tragedy ever, Jesus still grieved it. You know, like he still was Mm -hmm. crying and hurting and God, why, where are you? You know, I think that's really helpful to us as humans. Like, oh, okay, so that's a, I can can do that too. I can, I can pray the Psalms as well. I can also say, how long, O Lord? Yeah. I think that was really something uh, helpful that you touched on about acknowledging something happened. Mm-hmm. And and going through the process of saying, okay, this is what happened, and this is what it cost me. This mm-hmm. is what it did to me. Mm-hmm. And God knows, but our acknowledgement, our confession of it, and acknowledging that he's there to do something about it, uh, really helps us mentally, helps our heart, mm-hmm. helps us trust in him more. because And, and it's, a, it's a healing thing. Helps mm-hmm. us to start healing. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's really good. I've been talking a lot. I'm in a discussion group over racial issues with some other believers from the church. And one of the things we've wrestled with is corporate grief or corporate lament. Mm-hmm. And so what I find is the typical conservative says there's nothing good that comes out of talking about that bad things, right? That's kind of like a knee-jerk conservative reaction. Mm. And then the typical liberal is like overly obsessed with it. You know, there's kind of a victim identity thing. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians, we've got to navigate the middle. Like, we've got to be all about personal responsibility, hopefulness, and moving forward, you know, positive thinking, doing the right thing, doing the next right thing, and doing the best we can with what we've got. But we also have to look at the past and say, that hurt that was bad that was mm-hmm. you know not a good idea we have to be willing to look at those things grieve them so that we can move on in a healthy way mm-hmm. um and so it's just interesting in our divided country right now it's all or nothing it's like either you grieve or you don't grieve you know what i mean it's like either you grieve in this weird unhealthy i'm a victim and i can't move on way or you don't grieve at all you know it's like those are the only two options presented by the world and as Christians, we're like, no, we can grieve, look at our past, our family, our nation, our city, our church, whatever, and say, man, that was messed up. Let's move on from there. You know, God forgive us, God heal us, God help us. Let's move forward. And um, that that middle way, I think, is is getting harder and harder to to navigate in our culture. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you say that, like uh, a perspective that I've had for a while was um, growing up in uh, like a Kojic background mm-hmm. uh, it's like those are negative words so when you come to God right use words and those mm-hmm. those feelings feelings aren't in the Bible expressing how things make you feel how you know those aren't words so when you come to God if you use those words you're not using words and uh, I think one of the things that I I deem helpful and why I like Hebrews 4 so much uh, is because of how relatable Mm. I think Jesus is to us. Mm. Um, And like you were saying, he is this king that should receive reverence and honor and glory. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, we can can come to him and and we can tell him what's hurting us, what's bothering us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's so cool that uh, as God, as sovereign as he is, as, as powerful as he is, here we have Jesus uh, in the flesh that's understanding what it's mm. like to live in to live in this body. Mm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
and it, it it takes a god that's bigger than tragedy right to to actually mm-hmm. hold on to that kind of a a worldview that yeah that's huge you you touched on that a lot last week dave i think and it was it's so so important right i think that mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine that tragedy is not the end of, of a story because you know even like we see death death is the period is what we are always told right that's you're done mm-hmm. that's full stop you know mm-hmm. if the hero dies end of story right <laughs> Um, yeah. And so that's what's so beautiful about this story. Um, yeah, the good stuff. Anything else about point one? We ready to keep going? We have. Uh, I know we have the application. So what? What? Yeah. What are some of the specific things you do with that? What? I think one question I had was, um, how how do you balance the, um, you know, saying something was wrong but not just completely giving yourself over to that, like facing. That's I think that's what we have such a hard time with is um, either extreme, either we're going to ignore all wrong things so we can stay happy or we're just going to go mm-hmm. 100% into, like you said, depressing music and being a depressed teenager and everything's weren't ruined. What, what are some of the strategies you guys have for that? Uh, I think, go ahead. Well, I think one of the things that I've been taught through some counseling is that God is in the process of redeeming things. Mm. And he redeems things that are tragic in our lives. And so we need to be on the lookout for how did God change us through a tragic situation? How did he do something that made us different, that helped us grow in maturity in Christ? And, you know, you may not find that immediately, but I think asking God to help you see those things is a great start. Because we, we are sometimes unaware of God's redemption going on in our lives because we haven't asked Him to show us and we haven't really thought about it. Uh, I thought about how we may perhaps were changed in a way that actually benefits other people by those tragic mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think just going through the motions of praying the Psalms and journaling the Psalms is a activity as well so jim's talking about a very specific to me god show me you know what you've done in my life but then as far as like a practice i'd be ongoing just reading and praying the psalms uh that movement you know it's like dribbling shooting pass you know you're practicing the basics in the sport mm-hmm. uh there were things we did over and over again when i played football or you know other sports where they just want your body to just be in this habit you know like this is normal this is what we do and so the psalms can build that habit of tragedy, God's sovereignty, yet I will praise you and wait on you. You know, going through that that cycle over and over again with slight variations, you, you get the benefit of that if you pray the Psalms and translate the Psalms and sing good, you know, Christian music that's based on the Psalms and stuff. And Kendrick was alluding to this earlier, uh, so <laughs> let's let's talk about the the current tragedy of the pandemic. What I mean, mm-hmm. have y'all been starting to feel a sense of what what is God what is God doing here? So, what are some things mm-hmm. that are that He's doing to us and in us in this time? Any mm-hmm. any inklings of that stuff? Yeah, um, Lamentations three says, mm-hmm. "You have walled me in." Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> that's sometimes how. I feel during the pandemic like there's nowhere to go there's nothing to do yeah Uh, uh, i I feel so boxed in i feel so walled in but then Mm. you finish the rest of the chapter and he was like oh i turned to god in my weeping and he heard me and he delivered Mm. me from all of my fears and i thought that was such a good uh uh, way of him like you were saying earlier there's the tragedy then there's god's sovereignty and then Mm. this is what brings us to god and so i think what i've kind of come to in this whole pandemic is like ah oh, this is turning me to god crazy as it mm. sounds but this whole pandemic is like turning me more and more towards christ mm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think there's been some good teamwork that's come out of it church-wise the leaders connecting more regularly because we don't we can't be in the same place and take each other for granted so we have to talk to each other on purpose you know <laughs> so that's that's been good. There's still the negatives of, of separation, but talking to each other on purpose, I think, is happening more. Um, I I see more broadly the family 
like it's overwhelming, you know, so it's a stress on marriages and parents to feel isolated with their kids and spouses. But it's also a, okay, let's go back to basics. You know, this is a time, it's a, it can be a renaissance of family-based mm-hmm. discipleship. So I think some families are cratering, which may be what it takes to get them kind of to Kendrick's point, to get them to call out to the Lord and seek his help as a family. But other families are just like learning new stuff systems like okay we're a family we're going to do this thing together you know or husbands and wives we're together more we're going to figure this out you know um Mm -hmm. i think that could be a really good and beautiful thing that comes out of this families learning to be families like families first you know like we're a household first and then secondary to that we've got a workplace and a school and then these other places we connect with Mm -hmm. that's good that's good yeah I i think the analogy well, as y'all are talking, I was thinking of is the refining analogy, right? Of you take mm-hmm. something that's uh, you, as you're going through this fire, you could either just get completely burned up or come out purified and stronger and more beautiful. Um, but it, it, you know, some of it is just like, yeah, what, what, <laughs> who, what are you trusting? Who you're trusting in? Um, I think about that too. How much this is could be a time of really asking the question of our own personal spiritual lives. Um, you know, we can't outsource that to the professional spiritual people at church right now. We have to say <laughs> what's, what's going on at home, you know, and my, my, what's going on in my mornings and evenings. And, um, and again, you could either just, some people are going to just, just, you know, burn up cause they're not, there's nothing of substance there, but for, you know, Lord willing, for for so many people in the church, there's this moment of saying, "Oh gosh, this is a time to to learn and grow and and press in." Um, mm. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's go on. Let's go on to the next point. So, point number two: He saves by anomaly. Can you talk us through just a bit of what 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 the idea is there, Dave. Um, man, I, I guess big picture, fifty thousand. It's a supernatural worldview, right? Um, it, it's an invasion from the outside. It's not the normal way of things proceeding. And so I, I talked about a couple of major weirdnesses in that text and then then went into the, the resurrection itself. So the resurrection is, is the biggest thing that's weird that, that happens, right? Jesus rises from the dead. That's like the, the big unusual anomaly of this whole thing but leading up to that story-wise there was like the, the temple curtain was torn in two there was an earthquake there were spirits that like people came out of their graves and walked around you know like just all kinds of craziness was taking place and all of this craziness to me drives us to run to god you know that to run to him in grace you know the hebrews 4 let's let's with confidence drawn near to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16, or 1 Corinthians 15. It's like, if God has really taken away death and uh, everything, then we're going to give ourselves fully to the Lord. We're going to stand firm. We're going to keep going. We're going to know our labor is not in vain. So there should be this confidence that comes from from the out-of-nowhere crazy, man, God saved us. He tore down the curtain, the barrier between us and God. He tore down the, the veil between death and life by rising from the dead you know he's he's changed things you know it's mm-hmm. <clears throat> good the first question that comes to mind for me you know it's talking real life so you know we talk a lot about the the modern american understanding of of the world is there are no anomalies it's all scientifically uh mm. <laughs> we can explain it yeah. uh, so what what, what, yeah. what do you say to people who say i've never experienced anomaly in my life so is Christianity real or what, what, how does that interact? Right. We see the, these amazing out of the ordinary stories, but even for a lot of Christians, we say, but everything's seemed pretty normal in my life. What, what's, the, what's this conversation look like for that? Well, I think it's really important to remember that a first century person would have said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So they might've been open to the possibility of supernatural right they believed in spirits and supernatural but they did not believe in people rising from the dead you know so like we conflate as modern scientific people who who are um i'm trying to think of not a not overly negative way of saying this 
we're so smart, we don't think supernatural things are possible, which is really interesting that that's where we live at this time in history. It's kind of silly, really. But anyway, we conflate that with, oh, well, if first century people thought that supernatural things were possible, then they thought it happened everywhere all the time, and they were gullible dumb people. You know what I mean? I mean like we mm-hmm. jump to believing the supernatural means gullible and dumb. And they were way smarter than we were. You know, like the average first century person knew how to do things in real life that we don't know how to do. You know, all we know how to do is brush our teeth and use our iPhone. <laughs> and, and they, like, knew how to grow things out of the ground and, you know, knew how to deal with dead bodies when that happened. We don't know how to do that. We just call in the expert, you know. So um, they were familiar with death. They killed animals. They dealt with dead bodies in their family. They, you know, they knew death. Death was real. It was scary. It was around the corner. People didn't live as long, and they were not gullible. I, I just think that's a really important thing for us to understand. So that that's the kind of conversation I have with my my really scientific worldview friends. Is like I'm not against science. I'm not against the empirical worldview. But that's built on this is how things normally work. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean things can't work differently than how they normally work. It just means this is how things normally work. That's really all it means. Um, and we've, we've taken it to mean things can't do anything different than, than what I've seen. Mm. Sorry, it's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think just, just trying to be humble. I think that's the thing I would, I would love to, to teach people to be humble i think there's a great lack of humility in modern in modern life yeah i love you said uh and i'm reading straight straight from your notes here but you said true weirdness is when hearts are changed doubters become believers um that's that's one of the the beautiful miracles we do get to see but we can sometimes write off as just sort of good counseling Mm -hmm. or something like that Uh, i was going to ask y'all can y'all talk just a little bit is there can you think of a person or maybe your own life of where you just see this, this, they meet Jesus and, <laughs> and that's a different person all of a sudden. Like, do y'all have examples of that that you've encountered in your life and can just talk about a bit? Hmm. Not off the top of my head. No, <laughs> but, but it is interesting that, you know, we, we tend to, I think Dave's pet peeve is actually quite true of us. We tend tend to think that we we made the logical decision, right? Mm-hmm. We we weighed the facts and we weighed the evidence, and therefore we came to this conclusion. Uh, when really, at some point, we have an awakening and go, "Wait, I didn't figure it out. God figured it out for me." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he opened my re- eyes. Yeah, I can recall uh, being in the seventh grade, and I went to visit my great granddad, and uh, I told him that uh, what I was learning in biology, mm-hmm. and I was telling him what the human heart is made out of tissue, and I was mm-hmm. like uh, telling him that all the things I was learning, I was like, this isn't in the Bible, this isn't in the Bible, like thinking I would trip him up. So he said, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Go in the restroom and give me a roll of tissue. So I was like, <laughs> not understanding it. Go in the restroom, get him a roll of tissue. He said, now, the tissue is different, but your heart is made out of tissue. Do you agree? I said, yeah. He was like, well, I want you to do me one favor. I want you to give life to this piece of tissue. Mm. Mm. You can't. And he was like, your heart, it's tissue. There's no on switch. There's nothing that you plug up to that palpitates it. That's a God, grandson. And he was like, here's the difference between you and I. When I was um, wrestling with Christ, I didn't have the internet to go to to tell me uh, inaccuracies or things that I wanted to look up. He said, I had to trust God. I had to read the scriptures. I had to pray. And so I think, and then he said, uh, my heart was transformed, of course, but it opened my eyes. I was like, you know, what's a greater miracle is is people coming to uh, Christ, receiving the call that he gives them without Google, with 
out a million books, <laughs> without these things. Like, that's a great miracle. You know, without all of this technology um, uh, and all of these new world, like, apologists and all of these things that people still believed in Christ just as much as we somehow believe in him now. Um, and me, I'm like very information based. I need the facts. I need Google. Mm -hmm. I need the internet. I need to look up a million things first before I believe it. And I'm like, that is a pure transformation of hearts that Christ mm -hmm. did in my grandfather's life. That's a great miracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that's the beauty with the centurion. He's like, all right, I've seen it. I believe. And yeah. that was a hardened dude. That was a skeptic. You know, I mean, he'd, he'd seen a lot of crazy stuff I'm sure been through a lot of battles and uh, yeah I just think we should not underestimate the miracle of faith mm -hmm. and we should also not make it anti-rational you know what I mean like so and I know that's mm -hmm. not in any y'all's heart it is reasonable and mm -hmm. it's a miracle it's both yeah yeah yeah, the, the other thought that occurs to me is is these anomalies or this the, the anomaly allows us to go through normalcy um, in in a in a mindful sort of way, right? I, I think of um, so like the the Israelites getting out of slavery in Egypt and and these plagues happen and there's a pillar of cloud and fire and they get get across the Red Sea, but then they're in the desert forever, and so. You know how long? I mean, they were in the desert a long time, but but like us, they can look back and say these amazing things have happened. So even when it just feels like this is all there is, we can do we can do like they did and say, no, well, look at look at what God did. And so it's not like you said, Dave. It can't just be anomalies all the time. You know, <laughs> we're just that's what. But we can look back to especially the anomaly of of the resurrection, and that is the thing that allows us to be faithful when it does feel like maybe this is all there is, you know, that, that whisper in the back of our heads. So we come back to, to the, this beautiful anomaly. Yeah. I think too, I don't want to twist this up too much, but I think we're, I think we're kind of dancing around this. There's like this ultimate anomaly of the resurrection. that is not how the world works. That gives us hope of something beyond the entropy and decay that we work with on a daily basis, right? So the mm -hmm. resurrection says there is hope, there's a future, which to y'all's point, you know, as Grandpa Kendrick's grandpa said, that gives life to our, our daily scientific bodies. It also gives us mindfulness to appreciate God in the little things day by day. And just that the scientific world exists should stir faith in our hearts, right? Like that, that there is a world of meaning and laws and physics is amazing. Like there's, there's not, so rationally it should be chaos. Rationally, the world should be total chaos. And I think mm -hmm. a true nihilist philosophically would say it is chaos and we're just lying to ourselves and saying that there's order and science and, you know, natural <laughs> law. But but most scientists are like, no, there there are rules. Like, this is how physics works. This is how the world is, you know? Like, so, um, so anyway, trying to loop it back around. Like, miracles, there is a miracle that God made a world that works consistently according to the laws of science. You know, like, that's a miracle. Uh -huh. that's, that's an amazing pushing back against the way the universe normally decays, you know? So... Um, anyway, I don't know. It's like to me, it's all it is all connected. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a. I just like, had the this strange thought too of like to Kendrick's grandpa's point of mm -hmm. the death is such a spiritual uh, thing. Like it's such a there is a spiritual world out there. Like so, not mm -hmm. only is we can't make just you know random biological pieces come alive. We know that there's this moment when we, in a sense, in the physical way, stop being us, and we don't know why that is, right? And so, so this, this idea of death is such a strong, there's more happening than we can see. We know that, right? Because like, physically, what has happened from a living person to when you die 
there's that there's just that very clear spiritual picture of something happened that we can't really explain um, mm. what the, what this journey is and so like you said dave we can sometimes just think oh yeah death's a part of life that's just the way it's always been or we could say what's actually happening there and we need to you know <laughs> i need to have a hope that can't be stopped by whatever that is um so yeah. what, what jesus is pointing to um mm-hmm. So application here, uh, yeah, what, what's, what's the application? What's the takeaway? What do we do with this knowledge? Well, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, the application of the resurrection is stand firm, give yourself to the work of the Lord, you know your labor's not in vain. So it's like, don't give up. It's perseverance, right? Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Keep working. Plant. I would say to take it, you know, to tie all these words together, plant dead seeds and expect miraculous growth to come out of dead seeds, right? So God's given us a gift of this in the natural world. He says, bury these little dead nuts in the ground and miraculously things will sprout from them, (laughs) right? That's just crazy. Like that's how he made the world. He says, we'll have dirt and poop in the ground. And then you'll throw dead things in it, and life will come out of that. That's that's just how we're going to make the world, okay? And so when we look at the resurrection, that should fill us with that same kind of hope and perseverance to be spiritual farmers, to pour into people, giving people the gift of time, kindness, love, service, ultimately the words of the gospel itself, and expect spiritual fruit to come out of that. That's good. I think that moves us yeah. great into into point three. Mm. He saves us into a mandate. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> so that's part of the application. Uh, what? Yeah. What's mm. point three, Dave? Can you summarize? Man, point three is the Great Commission. Jesus meets with his dudes on the mountain right before he flies away, and uh, some worshipped, some doubted. I love that. That's not the main point, though. <laughs> he gives them a command. He's like. Go make more followers. Y'all are my followers. Go make more followers, right? Let's make mm-hmm. disciples. It's a confusing verb to us because he's asking us to do something supernatural. So he clarifies that he'll be with us, right? So I'm asking you to do something supernatural. So with all the nations and people groups of the world, go make disciples. He says, by the way, I'm going to be with you. And by the way, I've got all authority in heaven and earth. So he's going to help us. And then he even gives us details, some steps, like, well, here's part of how you're going to make disciples. You're going to go. You're going to go places. (laughs) Go and make disciples. You're going to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you're going to teach people to obey me. So um, in our church, we have the mission statement is introduce people to Jesus, establish them in a walk with Jesus, and equip them to do the work of the ministry. You know, that's kind of the way we break those steps down uh, into steps as a church. Um, but yeah, go multiply followers, go make more disciples of Jesus. That's what we're called. We're all called to that, whether you're a church leader or just a, a brand new believer, everybody in the church is called to that. Mm-hmm. And there's this true sense of togetherness, right? Like it's not just mission, it's mm-hmm. co-mission, the great commission, right? Together. Mm-hmm. It's not just you singular. It's kind of a y'all thing as us Texans like mm-hmm. to say, or, um, so we're yeah. you. <laughs> gotta do it together I, I think I just say that because I, I see this continuing trend and there's I'm sure there's always been somewhat of a temptation of like I'm gonna do my mission I just don't want to have to bother with all the, the churchy people and do it with you know do it together <laughs> like y'all y'all haven't figured it out so I'm you know but especially these younger generations are like, well, let's just be done with the church and we'll go to the, do the mission over here by myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so together we're a people. Yeah. No, that's really good. It's a plural imperative. It's not a singular imperative. It is a plural. Y'all make disciples. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the new Tex- Texas translation. Yeah. Yes. Good deal. Well, this may have been, I, I have it as probably your shortest point, but not, not, <laughs> not to make that old joke, but yeah. What, what else? I mean, is there more to unpack? Is that just remembering you have a, you have a purpose here or we have a purpose here? Um, 
Yeah, the thing I keep that keeps circling around in my mind is it's not manipulation that makes disciples; it's the invitation to these things. Mm. You know, and and I feel like lots of times we feel like we have to try and manipulate people into believing somehow, mm. uh, when that's not our work. Our our work is to just invite them to believe. And God's work, the Holy through the Holy Spirit, is the one who you know He's the one who awakens their heart to His goodness and mercy, and mm-hmm. it it removes a lot of the we, we feel this huge burden, you know, like we have to get to the end point, we have to get you to the point where you say I believe, and mm-hmm. that's really not what He's calling us to. Uh, he's calling us to just hey, you're part of the, the team. Tell them the story, you know. Tell them your story, and and feel free to walk away and go. Hey, if you have questions, I'll be around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There can be. I think there can be an idolatry, idolatry of strategy, where we mm-hmm. think, um, yeah, it's it's about our amazing farming, and that's what's going to make the thing seeds grow, and, and we forget yeah. the simplicity, like Dave was saying. <laughs> We're doing this strange thing of, of putting dead seeds in the ground and God makes them grow. But especially right now, I think as uh, we're having lots of conversations of what what's church going to look like? What are people supposed to do in this time? There can be an idolatry of strategy of um, we've got to make this happen. Or if it's not working, it's because uh, we're not doing it right. And um, yeah, there's a just a beautiful simplicity of just, let's be faithful. But I think also one thing I've been reading this great, great book, uh, Look and Live by Matt Papa. And just just this kind of uh, he, he makes this statement that I just wanted to pass along to of, of if you're just doubting and wondering and you're not sure if you're on the team, have you really looked at Jesus? Right. Um, have you are you are you looking at Jesus? You know, maybe you've drifted away, you, you know. You began as a believer when you saw the glory of, of what he's done, of this tragedy, the, this anomaly, this thing that called you into a mission. Uh, but have you stopped looking? Have you really continued to gaze and see the beauty? And are you are you actively um, pursuing that? I think that's just such a that's just such an encouragement to me. It's like, well, if you're starting to wonder about it, are you spending time with him? Are you are you really looking mm-hmm. for the beauty that's there? Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's this this beauty of what, like Dave says. It's I just think you said a lot of things during this sermon that I just loved. Where it was just like, um, just pray for pray for God to do you know to bring people for you to talk mm-hmm. to. Just do it, and He'll bring them. And it was kind of it's mm-hmm. kind of like this strange cockiness. Oh, will he? Oh, you will. Okay, let's do that. All right. <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny. Maybe being in the church so much, you just. <laughs> It doesn't feel like like the math is that simple, <laughs> but but yeah, God really does things. Yeah, I think yeah. I think having a garden is a really helpful thing for this because I planted a whole bunch of seeds and they don't come up, right? And I can't explain it. Why yeah. the rest of them came up? Why does that come up? You know, yeah. <laughs> and it just or helps they come you. up later, right? Have you ever yeah. had that happen? Where oh you yeah. Like, your garden is done, and then you're like, "Wait, where'd that come from?" Something else like springs up two months yeah. later, and you're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, it's just so helpful in seeing how Jesus used those stories all the time about the farmer who plants seeds, right? Mm-hmm. And we have this expectation that every seed is going to produce something, and it doesn't. Yeah. And then there's these seeds that we don't even know got planted, and they do produce stuff. So I think we have to have to put that into spiritual terms and dealing with people's lives and our testimony to them. Our, mm-hmm. Yeah, we should rejoice at what happens. Uh, and there's grieving when seeds don't produce, but we're going to keep on planting seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think to uh, Chris's point, it was interesting. The quote from the book was, uh, I can remember when I was younger, uh, like as I'm still younger, uh, <laughs> I was so like bashful at, at a point in time of... of Christians and churches that I didn't think did discipleship or did it well. And uh, I have an individual that was sort of discipling me then. He was like, man, your Christianity is not in your work in discipleship. Like, it's in the work of Christ's death. And I was like, oh, man, 
Maybe I have mm-hmm. made, you know, like auto out of this discipleship thing. And that's crazy because he was connecting that to the parable of the sower. Like we, mm-hmm. we don't, it may even sprout, but we don't even know how it'll sprout. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the seeds, we think we're planting them here. Some of them fell here. Some of them fell there. But our thing is just to uh, uh, put the seeds in the ground and watch God do mm-hmm. that miraculous work to bring it back what you were saying. So that was so interesting. Uh, uh, when Jim was saying how he, he's planted these seeds and uh, some of them came up but no explanation on the rest and it's like man that, there has to be the work of Christ in that only because when we plant these seeds in the ground and we do this practical application um, and we're we can get upset that people don't receive Christ but mm-hmm. I think the what he was saying just walk away just trust God just pray about it he'll do the rest these are the things uh, in our life that I think we see great miracles in uh, as well. That's good. That's a good word, man. Mm-hmm. I've been convicted that uh, much of the modern world, I think I actually got this idea from, from podcasts. So some, it was like some theology professor was talking about it. I think she might've even done research on this specifically, but how much of our, how to lead, how to manage, uh, that we get from the business world and we import into the church to try to, I think it's good that we would try to lead well. That's a good thing to aspire to. I've, had, I've tried to grow in that area. But so much of it is built on mechanical illustrations when there are very little mechanical illustrations in the New Testament. I think you've basically got the building, right? The kind of like bricks and stones and foundations. That's the really the only mechanical illustration. I think the rest of it is our body being knit together, you know, like one body, many parts. There's a lot of that for how the mm-hmm. church operates. And then there's a lot of the sowing seeds and watering, planting, watering, growing, good soil, bad soil. God makes it grow. Uh, we're not totally in control of it kind of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's been really interesting. I'm, I'm more and more thinking leadership is more about doing than perfecting. But my heart you know, drifts toward perfecting and strategizing, doing it the best, you know. And I think, you know, there's some of that. Refine and be strategic. We see Paul be strategic, but so much of it's just getting out there and doing, you know, just loving people, sowing seeds, getting up, doing it all over again. Um, so. And really the foundation of doing has to be being, right? Mm-hmm. Before, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the temptation I notice over and over again is, skipping over the being with the father <laughs> going mm-hmm. to working for him right away right gotta get out in that field yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. seeds ain't gonna yeah. sell themselves yeah yeah <laughs> cool well any any last thoughts i think we, we've been going a good while so we probably should wrap mm-hmm. it up um those those are that's beautiful any encouragement yeah. for for just Joe and Jane, worshiper out there, wondering what to do in the pandemic. What what do we do with this right now? Mm. I'd say go back to basics. Mm. If you have a quiet time, are you spending time in the Word and in prayer? I feel like the pandemic, I've had to be forced over and over again to rethink my prayer life. I've been doing better better at spending time in the word but man i have to keep coming back to like okay i've got this new prayer initiative all right it petered out again okay i gotta pray again you know um and it should be the easiest part right because we're powerless (laughs) we're so powerless right now um but yeah i would really encourage that going just back to basics are we praying are we reading the word are we spending time alone with god yeah i think i would say the same as well as uh be patient. Mm. Um, I know you mentioned that we're getting into Daniel in two weeks, and Daniel has a great story of just dragging out these long prayers and waiting on God. Mm. Um, it's so good, but I, yeah, just I mean, be patient uh, and just walk, walk with God in the basics. I think that would be my en- encouragement. We're so ready for things to go back or go forward or go this way or go that way i'm just like man there's beauty and just quiet time with god praying and just 
waiting, just being patient. Mm. And I and I thought the uh, the last words Jesus gave to his disciples in that uh, great commission, "I will be with you." Mm. You know, just yeah. just keeping that in front of me. I'm with you. Yeah, love it. Yep. So good. Well, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Sunday Recap, a weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based on our sermon this past Sunday. For more podcasts, recordings, or sermons, and to submit any questions or comments, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about us, Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. We hope you guys have a great week, and we will see you next time. Adios. Mm-hmm.